Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. We are back for another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. Uh, not my best Monday. I don't have my <laughs> typical microphone set up. It's a rather long story. So I'm kind of pulling a cousin Sal here on the, on the phone with uh, Kyle Porter joining me for another uh, podcast. Kyle, I'm sorry I don't have my, my typical setup here, but hey, the, the show must go on. The show must go on. I... I this is kind of on me. I forced you into this. I've got a weird travel schedule this week, so uh, yeah, we're doing this early on a Monday, and we're gonna bang it out. We're about to get to the mid first five, but before we do that, uh, any thoughts on the uh, NFC AFC title games? Yeah, I mean, the first Big Twelve quarterback to go play for a Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes. I mean. You and I watched this kid at Tech. I mean, we knew he was a really good player and could, could put up big numbers, but we've seen a lot of guys do that at Tech. Yeah. I don't think we realized he was like the, the Steph Curry of, of football because he's he really is. changing the game. Yeah. With his no-look passes, the way he just throws deep balls, and just really everything about him is kind of a he's kind of a game changer. So that was that was fun to watch. I thought the Niners ran a, a Big Ten. The, the 49ers are like Wisconsin out there. I'm not looking forward to watching them play in the Super Bowl. But, uh, but no, I think, I think it's, Kyle, I think it's the closest matchup we've seen in the Super Bowl that I can remember. I mean, almost always there's a big favorite in the Super Bowl, or at least a, at least a, a simple favorite, like a touchdown or so. I think this game's going to be like a one-point spread or a pick em. What's the, What was the opening line, do you know? I think I hadn't seen one yet, but a lot of people that were speculating were speculating Chiefs by like one, one and a half. Okay. Which, I mean, it's tough to put the 49ers an underdog, right? They look like the best team yeah. top to bottom. It is. Uh, uh, it was a fun it, weekend. It was. The Chiefs are definitely more fun to root for. And, yeah, I watched, I didn't watch much of the Packers-Niners. I thought, I thought Chiefs-Titans was uh, intriguing. I think this is going to – I'm going to sound like such a shill, but I think I think uh, Nance and Romo are – I would listen to those two guys talk about anything. They're, <laughs> they're, they're fantastic. Romo just, like, loses his mind every once in a while, and it's – but it's done, like, in a, in a really professional way. Like, it, it, he's – they're just – they're great. I, I can't get enough. Romo was, like, trying to be funny, too. He was, like – he was just – he was he was feeling himself. He was trying to do like some stand up comedy as well. But uh, yeah. Kyle, we'd be remiss if we didn't we didn't mention the fact that Tyree Kill's like the best player in the NFL and played running back at Oklahoma State. It's like our we, we have to mention that anytime <laughs> the Chiefs come up because my gosh, is he the fastest player we've ever seen play the sport? I mean, he's just he moves at a different speed. It's it looks like on Madden or NCAA from our day when you would create a player and give him 99 everything in terms of yeah. speed, acceleration. And he just, it, once he gets in the open field, it's, it's, it's a wrap and it's, yeah. it's wild to see. And, uh, yeah, it's just Tyreek's turned into an unbelievable NFL player. If he keeps going, Kyle, he's going to have a really, a 
maybe uh, maybe even a Hall of Fame type career. He's putting up some ridiculous numbers. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't want to dive too deep into the Tyreek stuff because OSU kind of they kind of scrubbed it after he you know got kicked off the team and everything that went down. And I don't you know I whatever we don't need to go too deep into that. But it would be weird if they had a future Hall of Famer who played there, but that they didn't recognize like that would be uh yeah. i don't know that'd be a weird thing anyway we're gonna get it, to the mid it's it's strange but and one last thing like the local media here like covers him like he still went there and i i have a hard time with that but one more thing i'm seeing my friends that are tech people that cover tech and like people that are texas tech fans if patrick mahomes won the super bowl kyle they're gonna do like a 1945 national championship sign on their stadium they're gonna put like 2020 super bowl champs on yeah. the texas they are so thrilled with Patrick Mahomes being from Tech. It's it's wild. Yeah, yeah. It it's yeah. And everybody that I follow that's from Kansas City is like, pay him, like give him the stadium, like give him the franchise, <laughs> like whatever whatever he wants, give it to him. And I get yeah. it. Like he's he's pretty special. Which I didn't. I'm with you. I, when he was at Tech, I was like, yeah. I mean, he's good. I guess big arm, great arm. But I was never like this guy's like, you know going to change the nfl i i know i mean i I don't know maybe i was looking for the wrong stuff but okay we're gonna roll through the mid first five pretty quickly today i got a flight to catch and uh yeah first let's talk about mid first carson uh you can go to midfirst.com slash pistols firing sign up for an osu credit card you can earn points there's bursar rewards options and you can earn a 150 dollar bonus you're gonna bet on the uh on the super bowl uh, when you sign up for that uh, that OSU credit card. So midfirst.com slash pistols firing. Go and check them out. And let's get to the midfirst five. First up, we got uh, the Baylor game. Oklahoma State Baylor. Carson, I thought it would have been the most Oklahoma State thing ever if they go out, lose their first four in conference badly, and then beat the number two team in the country. What did you think about Saturday? That's all I was thinking. I thought – it was interesting how this game set up, right? It was like one of those perfect spots, you know? I mean, Baylor's feeling themselves. That's ranked second in the country. Oklahoma State looks like they're just a dead program at this point, going 0-4 at that point in Big 12. That was a good spot, and I expected OSU to come out and play well. And then I see that Mike Boynton played his, his freshman in the starting lineup, Avery Anderson and Caleb Boone. I thought that was a good move. Those two guys that really, really were the only signs of life on this team. And as they started to play well in the first half. My first thought was, as as dead of a run as it's been over the last 15 years of OG basketball, as, as downtrodden as the program's been with no tournament wins since Ford's first year, OSU might lead the country in court storming because that was <laughs> going to happen if they beat Baylor. They were going to have the most court storms of any program in the country despite not being any good. So, like, they – they're always capable of those type of wins. They've beaten Kansas. We don't have to go down the list. They've, they've sprung upsets, big ones, despite not being a very good basketball program. So that's what I was thinking as the game was playing out. Obviously, it didn't work out that way. Yeah. <laughs> no, it did not work out that way. They played well, though. It's hard for me because you don't want to get into the thing where it's like, oh, I know they're 0-5, but, yeah, they look good against that top five team. And then you're like, well, what are, what are we doing here? Are you trying to win games? Are you trying to like look good against top five teams? And some of that's Big 12. It's just hard. But I do think the 
kind of the second half of Texas last week, you're like, okay, that's that's what this team can be, and that is competitive against everybody in the Big 12 and playing their young guys for the future. I mean, after that Texas game, Carson, I was like, just forget about – not forget about, but cut the seniors' minutes. Dizzy should play 15 a game. Lindy should play 20 a game. And give it to Avery Anderson. Give it to the Boone kids. Uh, give it to Chris Harris, whatever. I, maybe not Chris Harris, but – get them ready for the future. And, and at the same time, you're providing life for the present. I mean, those guys brought so much energy to that, that Texas game. And look like Carson, the, the Boone, the Boone twins, they can play basketball. They're not just like this, you know, I think, I think some kids get into college and they can like dunk and run around. Those guys like know where to be. And they're going to be really good for four years at Oklahoma state. But yeah, man, I, I don't know. It's not it's not a uh, obviously not a compelling start, and I, d- I just don't know how the rest of the season is going to go, and and really what the outlook is going into next year. Yeah, like to your point, it's it's kind of like pulling the red shirt off a football player, right? Like let them go, like play just play your young guys. Like we 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 all agree. Everyone that watches OSU basketball agrees that you know Lindy Waters, Dizzy. The, Cam McGriff, even to that to this extent, his career, his career, like their time's come and gone. Like they're zero and five in Big Twelve play. So what are you, what are you really playing for this year? I get you want to win games. Mike Boyden certainly needs to win games. Yeah. But for the better of the program, I think you're right. I think you got to play Avery Anderson a ton. I think just play the Boone Twins. I am so with you. Like I fail to see why they don't play more. Like it's not. You're right. They know where to be. They're obviously athletic. They just seem to make things happen when they're in the game. So yeah. play them. Like yeah. what is what is the what is the rub here? And I wonder if they're just not good practice players, or they just piss pointing off, or something. Because there's got to be a reason <laughs> these guys don't play. Maybe they mouth off to Boynton in practice. I have no idea. But those guys need to play more. And. They hit some threes, Kyle, which they were like three of 39 entering that game in their previous two. So, like, obviously that's going to help, but I still feel like they're not a good three-point shooting team. Obviously, I think Dizzy should have the green light and sort of. Lindy to a certain extent, and that's about it. I mean, the rest of those guys, should, they should not be shooting, you know, 43s in a game or 33s in a game. They need to – and the most disappointing thing to me is your and A, his, his yeah. regression – to the mean. I mean, it, early this year, I thought he looked like uh, an NBA basketball player already. And he's just, he's now just a bit part role player, which I think they need to get him going too, Kyle. He was a huge difference maker in those games early in the season when they were 7-0. and sure. And I did think it was interesting what Boynton had to say afterwards. He was like, I don't want the fans to think that I don't care about wins and losses, but I was more proud of my team today than I was when we were seven and zero. I thought that was an interesting thing that he that he said, but yeah, I think he knows Kyle that the honeymoon's over. Like this is year three. It's it's time to show some improvement, especially with your that to me, Kyle. Like the wins and losses is obviously disappointing, but to me, it's it doesn't appear as if he's developed his young players at all to this point. This 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 late in the season, yeah. and that that's disappointing. Yeah, it's not good. It's a uh... Look, I think you and I are going down with the ship, similar to me with Spencer Sanders. If it goes down, I'm I'm going to be on board. Like I'm I'm going to the bottom of the ocean with it. Uh, I think that's where we're at with Mike Boynton. But uh, yeah, we're we're year three, heading into year four. 
And it's like, well, uh, what, what's the trajectory here? You know, I, I really thought this would be, I thought I, the first few years went exactly how I thought year one, they were, they were fine. Um, Boynton showed a ton of signs I thought of being a great coach. And then year two, they're terrible. And I, everybody knew they were going to be terrible last year. They lost their guys. They didn't have any of his guys in. But then this year, it's supposed to be the upswing. And there's been no upswing in, in Big 12 play so far. So they got 13 games left to turn around. They got Iowa State on Tuesday, Texas A&M on Saturday, and then back to the Big 12 uh, starting the next week. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what direction that goes in. Let's go on to uh, to number two, Casey Dunn thoughts. Uh, last time we talked, we mostly talked about Chuba. So last time we talked was our emergency podcast last Tuesday when Chuba announced, when the Dunn news got announced. And we, we mostly talked about, uh, you know, Chuba coming back and what that meant. Do you have any lingering, after letting it kind of settle in for a week, any lingering Casey Dunn thoughts as the offensive coordinator? Yeah, I mean, I think I've been very vocal in the fact that I think Casey Dunn will do a good job. I think it's kind of funny to me, too. Like, it, it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the, the Todd Munkin hysteria and how Todd Munkin became Newt Rockney after being the offense coordinator <laughs> at OSU. I think people overrate lack of play-calling experience to a to an absurd degree. I mean, this is not – Calling offensive football plays, while there is a rhythm to it and you prefer someone to have, to have done it before, obviously, it's not brain surgery. Like, calling a wide receiver screen to Landon Wolf is not brain surgery. Now, <laughs> is is Casey Dunn an experienced calling play? Sure he is. But is he less prepared to call plays for Oklahoma State football than Mike Yersich was coming over from Shippensburg State? No, I mean, give me no, a break. no give me a break. Like, yeah. I think he's going to do a good job. He's coached under Mike Gundy, who's an offensive football coach that really one of the best of his generation. He's coached under, you know, all those OCs that came through. He's, he's, he's coached with Munkin in t- 2011 onward and it's his time. I, he's earned it. And so he's going to sink or swim. And I think he deserves the shot. I think it's a great move to bring him back. And I'm looking forward to seeing kind of how it takes shape under his, his view because he is a wide receivers coach. Now does he like to throw it more than, than other guys? Cause he is a receivers coach. I don't know that that remains to be seen, but I think he's going to do a good job. Yeah, I do too. I, you know, it's the one move that Gundy hasn't tried when it comes to offensive coordinator, he's brought in kind of the big name nationally in terms of Dana for the, for a one year deal. He's brought in an NFL guy in Todd Munkin for a two year deal. And then he flips it around. He goes unknown guys. He goes, he goes Yersich and he goes Gleason and the one thing he hasn't done, really, I can't remember uh, the Fedora. I, I can't remember his offensive coordinators in terms of like where they came from before uh, Dana. But the one thing that he hasn't done in the last decade, anyway, is promote from within. And so, you know, we know he values continuity. And I think I think the thing that Dunn provides is somebody. And I was talking to a. a I, I might have mentioned this on here, but I was talking to to a former. I think I did to a former player who's like, look, the thing that Dana and Munkin did was tell Gundy to get out of the room and just like, leave us alone and let us do our thing. And I think Dunn has some of that. I think he's earned that. I think he has that trust. I think he has that sort of cachet within the organization and, and probably in Gundy's eyes in a way that Yersich and, and Gleason probably didn't. So 
I'm excited. I, uh, Dustin Ragusa broke down the, the drive that he called whenever uh, Gleason was locked out of the, the uh, press box <laughs> last year. He went back. What an tried... era for the Gleason. The Gleason era is <laughs> to a rough start, didn't it? <laughs> so he went back and broke down that drive. I haven't read it yet. Uh, I think Kyle Cox edited it. So I'm going to go and, and read that today and just kind of look at it. You know, you can't tell a ton from one drive that Casey Dunn called. But I, I, I just – I'm with you. I think he's going to be really good. And I think we – we sort of get into this thing where it's like, well, I mean, sure, there are guys that are better than other guys at being an offensive coordinator. Yeah. But so much of it, especially with Oklahoma State, it's just it's a system. You know, they, they've got – I mean, Gundy said it. They've got like 15 plays or 10 plays or whatever, and then you've got some branches off of that. But it's not – you know, it's, it's different than like – I think it's very different than calling plays in the NFL. And totally. And I do agree with you wholeheartedly that the ability to to veto Mike Gundy, I think, is probably the most important aspect an offense quitter could have these days coaching under Mike. I mean, we've seen we've seen Gleason without one and it gosh, it looked like two thousand nine all over again when Gundy was sitting on an equipment trunk. Gosh. So I do think I do think Casey can, can wedge his Blitnikoff award trophy against the door. And keep and keep Gundy out of there during during the week. And you know, I think he can turn the channel. And Gundy's telling him to run off tackle on third and eight. Uh, but but back to my play calling experience point. Like, and again, I think Todd Munkin did an excellent job at Oklahoma State. No one's denying that. But he hadn't called plays for twelve years. Yeah. When he was hired at LSU, he had been a position coach in the NFL for twelve years. Yeah. So, do you think offensive play calling had changed in twelve years? Absolutely, it had. So. Just hire good people, let them go to work. Casey Dunn's a great person, great coach, has earned the right, and I think he's I think he's going to kill it, Kyle, personally. I do, too. I hope he does. Um, okay, number three, Bill Haston wrote a great article, article for the Tulsa World talking about uh, just how much is, I guess not necessarily riding on this upcoming season, but how much stock OSU is putting, putting into it. And uh, a couple of details in there. They're moving the band from the West End Zone to kind of the uh, – was it the northwest corner? I believe uh, the the over by where the student section is, and then their goal is to is to sell fifty one thousand tickets, season tickets, and you know I think that would I think they've only done that one time. I think they did that in seventeen when Blackman or excuse me when uh, James Washington and Mason Rudolph came back. So uh, there's obviously a ton of excitement. There's going to be a, a pep rally on Tuesday, which uh, Marshall Scott will be there covering it for us. Tyler and Chuba Gundy will all be there and available to talk to. So there, there's a, I mean, they're starting early Carson and you know, the next thing I think we're going to see is the, the Chuba Heisman campaign. I think that's going to start really early compared to, to where it was last year. Uh, they're kind of going all in on this season and, and uh, we, I mean, it's, it's great for us. It's exciting for us, but uh, what did you think about some of the stuff that, that kind of came out with, with haste in there? I think it's an excellent idea. It seems as if, you know, Chad Weiberg has a, has a big hand in this. He was, he provided some of the quotes for bill. And I, I think it's, it's what you need to do to generate interest in your football program. I do think it's a stark contrast to kind of how I felt. And I'm sure a lot of people felt when the clock struck zero against Texas A&M at that point, you're like, where is this program going? That podcast we taped, we're like, we're, where do they go from here? Because Chuba's leaving, Tyler's leaving, and you're, you have Spencer and not much else around them, and your, your defense looks better. But just the stark contrast when 
to that point to now, Kyle, it's shaping up to be one of the biggest seasons they've ever had. It's a lot like 2017. It's a lot like 2011 coming off you know, a really good season in 2010 with your quarterback and receiver coming back. So it's uh, it's remarkable to see, too, that they're trying to sell over 51,000 season tickets. I mean, when you and I were going to school, that just seemed impossible. <laughs> but, uh, but no, to me, this Kyle, is another sign that OSU's leadership is – they're in the money-making business, and they know how to do it. And this yeah. is a, it's a great idea. I, I do wonder, like, a pep rally at noon on a Tuesday in the student union, how many, like, season ticket holders that's going to fire up. I mean, it's going to be like it's gonna be like the dudes in the Chick-fil-A line turning around and looking at Chuba and Tyler. Oh, that's cool. Like, I do wonder <laughs> how effective that will be in ticket sales. But, no, it's, it's a good idea, and uh, I think they're on the right steps to uh, having a big season. We need to get those guys one of the one of our uh, our orange uh, maple leaf shirts to to, to wear on Tuesday. You sh- I mean, someone someone has to have given Chuba one of those, right? I mean, I, I I would what hope so. There, there's there's been enough of them purchased. You should just, just mailed a few to to Bennett Hall or wherever the wherever the football team. Well, now I'm now. just I'm I'm terrified after the the Edmonton car dealership thing. I'm like I just don't even. I, I'm t- <laughs> I'm frightened of uh, of of doing anything like that. Okay, uh, number four, Cade Cunningham. He was on ESPN last night. Uh, he was he's on ESPNU today, Monday at at four p.m. Uh, he so some of the stuff that I've seen. Look, like I don't I don't want to do the thing where it's like, well, you know, so and so is coming next year. Wait till next year, because I think you get into trouble with that because you're like, Boone Twins coming next year. <laughs> And it's like, well, there's a difference between being a, a good senior in high school and playing Big 12 basketball. But I think he is the exception in that, like, this guy, I mean, I, I was reading some uh, some NBA draft Twitter guys, and they're like, look, like, he's he would be, if he came, if he was able to come out this year, like, if the NBA allowed uh, high school seniors to, to, to declare, he would be the number one pick in the 2020 draft. And it wouldn't, and it wouldn't be close. And well, I, I think a lot of people think that he's going to end up being the number one pick in the 2021 draft and it might not be close. So I just, I, I wonder, I wonder if we're like underrating the impact that he's going to have even just being there for one year. I, I don't know who knows. Like I, I, we've seen plenty of guys that were going to be number one picks that like, you know, for, for infinite reasons, their team didn't assimilate around them and they ended up not being, as successful as you thought they were going to be. But I, I just, I don't know if people are grasping quite how good uh, of a player and a prospect he is. Well, that sums it up, right? This is not, you know, a five-star LeBron Nash coming in who has, who was very highly touted. This is the number one pick in this year's draft coming in next year. And so you start to compare them to guys. I mean, who, who does that compare to? I mean, I guess you go to, you go right back to Zion Williamson, who was just a freak of nature and obviously brought Duke to, to the forefront of college basketball. I mean, they're on TV like every night. And I do wonder if that will be an impact Kate Cunningham has. Is Oklahoma State going to be on TV every night because they have, quote-unquote, the best number one player in the draft? So in terms of wins and losses, Kyle, I, I, I'm with you. I think you have to temper ex- expectations a little bit based on who's around them. I mean, Zion Williamson was playing with Cam Reddish and, all these other first round draft picks and they still didn't, they didn't, they didn't, did they go to the final four that year? 
I don't even think they went to the Final Four. Maybe they did. I can't remember. But the point remains, like, it's going to take time for freshmen to get acclimated. But but I'm with you. I mean, uh, I'm sitting here saying wait till next year. I know you don't you don't want that as a, as a basketball program. But, I mean, imagine if he wasn't committed, Kyle, what we would be saying about the Boynton era and, and everything else. So that that's kind of like a golden par- it's kind of like a golden parachute in a lot of ways having having Kate Cunningham come in next year. But but no, I mean he he looks incredible and really that's the only thing kind of getting people through basketball season this year. Sad as that as that is. Here's the I found the tweet. It said uh, this is from uh, somebody that works for the Athletic who covers the draft stuff. He said finally getting to catch Kate Cunningham courtside for the first time. And I would just start tanking now if I'm an NBA team who doesn't have an MB- MVP on the roster already. He reads the oh. fo- he, re- <laughs> he reads the floor and executes on his passing and handling at the highest level possible. It's like Neo seeing Matrix code levels. Oh my god, <laughs> that is that is insane, like. I can't get enough. I want, I want, I'm just going to follow this guy to get more Cade stuff. Did you faint in the shed when you read that? <laughs> oh, we had a mini meltdown on the, on the chamber, on our forum. Wait, you don't have the shed anymore. You moved. Are you in the makeshift nah, shed we, or what? We haven't, we haven't moved yet. There, we're, I'm building a new shed. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. No, I mean, it's going to be fun and Boynton's recruited good guys around him, but, um, I think Boynton needs to needs to win some games this year to to keep people interested until until Kate arrives. For sure. Or else Gallagher um, is going to be a ghost town. Yeah, Kate's going to be like, why did why am why am I here? Um, okay, last one, last of the mid first five. Number five, Georgia hires Todd Munkin. Your thoughts? Uh, surprise. I just I kind of assume that that Todd preferred the NFL life. I mean, he left a college head coaching job to go be a quarterback's coach. I think, I don't think he's all that fired up to recruit kids on Twitter and all, all that <laughs> judging, judging by he, he posted his first tweet in like over a year with the Canadian flag tweet that he put out for Chuba. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised, but the, what this tells me is maybe there was not an NFL job for him this year. Um, and he, he wants to coach. So uh, why he didn't come to Oklahoma state, I'm not sure. I would have thought he would like to coach with his, one of his best friends and Mike Gundy, but uh, he's going just on the surface. He's going to a top five program in the country in terms of how they're recruiting and, and winning. And they're, they're in the playoff picture every year. And the SEC is finally, after seemingly a decade, moving toward the spread offense, which they've kind of thumbed their nose at. And then LSU just lights the entire galaxy on, on fire. So now everyone's going to try to run the spread. I mean, I guess Alabama moved to it first, but then LSU perfected it. But now you're, you're starting to see the, the Blue Bloods in the SEC learn that, okay, spread offense is the way to go. So I think he's going to do wonders there. I do wonder what kind of quarterback talent they have. Jake Fromm left. The, the Brock Vandegrift kid who's like a top five player in the country is still a, still a junior. He's going to be a senior next year. They got to wait a while on him, so I don't I don't know what kind of quarterback talent he's going to have to work with. But as you saw in Oklahoma State with J.W. Uh, Chelf, I think they played three quarterbacks that year. Yeah, Wes West Lunt. West Lunt, those three, he produced an unbelievable offense despite three quarterbacks. So yeah. he's going to he's going to crush, and I'm 
I'm sad we won't get to interview him and have have monkey content. Well, and I I wonder how much of it was you know a, a money thing because I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the salaries for Georgia last year, and you've got um, their offensive coordinator made like nine fifty, which is kind of the range that he's in in terms of his what he was making in Cleveland. And I, I just, I, I mean, I guess OSU would pay that. They probably would. I mean, they paid Mike Yersich 800 his last season, but you know, he might be making like 1.2 million at Georgia. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, so yeah, that, that's interesting. You know, the other thing to go along with this Carson that I found interesting, uh, Gundy had this thing with, uh, Barry Trammell wrote this over the weekend and he told Trammell, or he told the Oklahoman, somebody from the Oklahoman interviewed Gundy, and he he told the Oklahoman that Casey Dunn came back without knowing that he was going to get the offensive coordinator job. So he just said, "Yeah, we gave him more years and more money, and that's how we kept him." And he and and he didn't know. He's like, none of us knew at the time that he was going to get the OC job which I find sort of hard to believe. Um, I, I don't know. I, well, like, because like him saying that means that Munkin was in play, which I, I, I guess is true. But then he had this thing about, we didn't know if Gleason was leaving. It was very, it was very confusing to me. Did you see any of that? And if not, just what are your thoughts based on what I'm, what I'm telling you? Yeah, no, I saw the quote, and I was equally as confused. I find that very hard to believe. I Look, I think money helps, um, titles help, but I think I think Casey Dunn reached a point where he was tired of getting raises and, and fake titles of, like, yeah. associate head coach. Yeah, I think, <laughs> fake yeah, titles. That's the, that's, the, that's the only reason you go to UNLV, Kyle. I don't think UNLV was paying him more money than OSU. I don't think they were – I mean, he's going to a far worse football program, but why would he go there? Right. Call plays and be an offensive coordinator and further his candidacy to become a head coach. So I think that's the only thing that that could have brought him back. So I, I don't know why Mike would say that. Maybe, maybe it's true. I just, I find that very hard to believe. I, I do. I do love your thing about how the sec after just bemoaning the spread offense for 15 years is like, Oh wow. That's uh that actually works. Well, now when they score 50, 55 to 52 football games, they'll think, man, this is the greatest sport ever. Yeah. Not, yeah. ah, they don't play any defense. Yeah. You know, it's, it, they're going to find out how hard it is to play defense in space. I got, they haven't had to do for forever. Yeah. I got so sick of the LSU defense narrative. Oh, LSU's defense sucks. You don't, bro, you don't get it. Like, you don't. No. Like, you're looking at the wrong thing because – I watched the title game. That defense does not suck, you know. And if you if you look at their points per drive numbers, if you look at some of their advanced, uh, you know, metrics, like they're, you know, it's not like the number one defense in the country. But they're pretty good. And it, I just, I people need to, you know, get a tackle. What was the Jim Moore thing? <laughs> Utah tackle. Baylor, no, you don't tackle people. <laughs> That was nonsense. Jim Mora, get out of here. That's nonsense. That's just. He's a clown. Yeah, that was a joke. Like, it. it anyway, we don't need to go down that road. Okay. 
Uh, we got buckets and bricks, Carson. This is uh, this is our basketball season uh, segment, or our answer, I guess, to uh, bullets and BBs. So we got buckets and bricks coming up, uh, presented by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. They've been uh, they've been busy, Carson. They've been busy. Shipping out those uh, those Maple Cowboy shirts, uh, appreciate them and and everybody who's who's bought a shirt. So, uh, yeah, we got. Uh, you want to go first on buckets and bricks, or would you like me to go? Yeah, I'll go first. I need a bucket. Um, I got a great tweet during the Baylor game. Uh, I'm gonna try and give this kid credit who sent it to me. Um, but our old friend who we haven't mentioned on this show in quite some time, yelling guy. Yeah. Remember yelling guy? He used, to, he used to sit right behind the announcers, for people who don't know, and you could just hear him wearing out the officials and, and the opposing team all game. But it appears he's moved, Kyle. He's kind of on the those those Nicholson seats. He's, away on, the, from, he's uh, on the run? Well, they, they gave him better seats. I mean, I, oh, maybe okay. he prefers right behind the announcers. It's mid-court, but now he's, his feet are touching the maple, the maple hardwood. And – Camden Rogal sent me a tweet. Uh, this is yelling guy staring a hole through Gary Maxwell after a missed call. And it's just like a a 30-second or a 15-second clip of yelling guy. Just Everyone's sitting. He's standing, staring at the ref the entire time out. <laughs> and this guy is as consistent as the moon. He goes to every game. I People have told me his name before, and I've I've forgotten since I haven't seen him in a while. But a true, a loyal and true basketball fan, and and people like that, Kyle, is who I think of when I think of OSU basketball being so downtrodden over the last fifteen years. I mean, one yeah. tournament win in, in since oh eight oh nine, Travis Ford's first year. It's it's remarkable how far they've fallen and how bad they've been. But I got to give it up to Yelling Guy. That's great. That's a good one. My bucket is going to uh, to ice to Isaac Likely. He was uh, outstanding, especially in the second half against Baylor. Uh, I ju- you know, it, I, maybe I don't know. Like maybe it's just as simple as hey, he was sick for six weeks and now he's not because he looked like his beginning of the season self against against a really good team against the number two team in the country. So. Uh, he's really he he was really good, and when he's really good, it makes Oklahoma State. It, it's the phrase that we always screw up. The whole is better than the sum of the parts, or whatever. Like it, <laughs> it, it, it I, I I have no idea what the phrase is. I I'm just throwing words out there. But whenever he's playing well, that's that makes Oklahoma State a lot better than they actually should be. I think. Yep, I agree. I mean, I, I hate to do too many like there's. There's a lot of bricks to go around right now. Those hoops. I hate singling just one out, but but man, Urena gets the rebound when Oshie's down three. This is my brick segment, obviously, um, and he just he throws it to like mid court, and and that's basically the game. Like just just hang on to it, Yor. Like you played well in that game. Like you finally showed some signs, and then Oshie's down three, and he throws it away, and that that was virtually the game. That was that was kind of a frustrating end, I thought, to a really a good game and a really good performance by OSU. It just kind of slipped through their fingers. Yeah. Uh, my brick, I, we've been harping on OSU hoops enough. Uh, I'm going to go Ricky Fowler. 
he was in the final final group at the American Express on Sunday, and he shoots a he shoots the worst round of anybody that finished in the top twenty. So he starts great. He goes, I think, 65, 64 first two days. And then he just fades. And, you know, I was looking at the numbers last night. His final round scoring average is, has not been good the last couple of years. You know, last year, he's top 30 first three rounds in scoring average. Final round, he's 123rd on the PGA Tour. So oh my. there's something going on there. And, you know, you want him to figure it out because he, he's done it before. You know, 15 players championship, 18 masters. He almost wins the thing. But uh, I don't know. His final rounds have not been... I was not – he he just didn't have his stuff, and I wasn't wasn't super impressed on Sunday at, at the at the golf tournament. Which only fans the flames of the narrative that's out there that he's kind of a choker in the final round. And I've never yeah. agreed with that, those rounds you brought up. But, you know, I have a friend who I'm in a fantasy football league with. He's a huge OU guy. And he, he thinks I'm like a Ricky fanboy just because I went to OSU. So he likes yeah. to troll me with Ricky Fowler stuff. His team name one year was like Ricky Fowler plus 16 in final rounds or something with like Ricky's headshot. Uh, so I hate to see it because it just it's, it furthers the trolls out there when it comes to Ricky. But uh, Kyle, he's got to play better on Sunday. It's it's becoming yeah. like routine. Like I tuned in for a little bit. I was like, oh, of course he's done nothing today. Of course. Yeah. It just it made sense. So I I hate to see that. Yeah, I do too. Um but he's still, you know, two top ten finishes to start the season or to start the uh, the calendar year. So he's still playing playing pretty well. Uh, okay, let's hear. Actually, I want to talk about mid first again. Carson Bank with a winner. JD Power highest satisfaction score for the second year in a row, and the Oklahoma Readers Choice Awards best bank for the sixth year in a row, best mobile app for the second year in a row. You can go. Check out their stuff, midfirst.com slash pistols firing. Sign up for that OSU credit card. And we need to get to one interesting thing. Are you still there? Yep. <laughs> Do you have one interesting so thing pausing. for me? <laughs> so, you're, so you're pausing for a word from our sponsors further. <laughs> no, no more. We'll, we'll get to Chris's again one more time in a second. Can I go first on one interesting thing? I don't want you to take mine. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, Baylor hires Dave Aranda. Ooh, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good hire. I think. Pretty good. I think it's an excellent hire. Yeah, that Baylor. You pointed this out on Twitter, and I I agree with it. They apparently know. I I don't know how this is true because of everything that's gone down over the last fifteen years or ten years or whatever. Uh, they I think know what they're doing when it comes to running a, a, a program or at least yeah, they do in, the, I, in the last few years. Yeah. I mean, hiring Matt rule proved to be brilliant. I mean, when they hired him, they're like, wow, the temple coach, that'll work out. <laughs> Turns into like one of the best coaches in the country and getting paid like eight, eight and a half million dollars in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so no, I, it, it's clear they know what they're doing. I didn't really realize Baylor had this much cash. Apparently they were well, okay. paying, Matt Rule, like $7 million. So so that's what I want to talk about because I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like so so on all these uh, surveys that are not surveys, but all this reporting that's done on there's these databases you can get on on USA Today or whatever that show assistant coaches salaries, head coaching salaries, and they're fascinating. I get on, on them all the, all the time. I was just on them to look at, you know, what the Georgia offensive coordinator was making last year. 
on private institutions like Baylor and TCU, they don't they don't have to report those numbers for whatever reason. And so it, it gets turned into this thing where I, it just starts escalating. You're like, Matt Rule might make $13 million a year. Nobody knows. Like, I, I think I think that they – I mean, it's, it's advantageous to them to leak stuff to reporters that is – uh, makes them look like they have a ton of money, but I don't. I, I I think it's weird that nobody knows like how much their coaches are actually getting paid when you know everybody else. You know what OU's coaches are getting paid. You know what Texas coaches are getting paid. You don't know with Baylor, and you know Dave Rand is making two point five last year with LSU. So clearly, it's it's you know significantly more than that i I would assume, but I think that whole like reporting not reporting thing is is uh is kind of odd very very but no i I think Baylor's they're 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 in a good position here with Dave Rand. he's he's was making like over two million dollars as defensive coordinator and yeah. he knows what he's doing and and it's cool i think it's it's kind of cool they hired a defensive coach to kind of replace a defensive coach you don't just the trend now is you just hire the youngest offensive coordinator you can. And how about, it, how about cool to uh, team big. D- Dave Aranda to the Big 12 and Todd Munkin to the SEC? Are we? Is the narrative flipping here? It might be. It, it could be, Kyle. I mean, and I, it's and you're right. More of a defensive conference this year. It's going to be great because it's going to be like, oh, that's ugly football. The SEC plays, you know, be- it's beautiful game. <laughs> it's a beautiful football. Yeah, I agree. And but the SEC does have defensive players drafted, which the Big 12 needs to start yeah, doing if they want true. that to change. Uh, why, my one interesting thing is 25 years ago, Eddie Sutton led OSU to the Final Four. And mm. on, on February 15th, they're going to have a reunion at, at Gallagher with that team. Uh, Kyle, one of my most fondest memories as a kid was watching that, that team play. Now, I was so young that I really didn't understand – the magnitude of, of making a final four. I mean, I think I was in like fifth grade. I didn't really fully understand, but like to see them go through big country went through Marcus Camby, Antonio McDice, Malik Rose. Um, he went through like four NBA players. I'm, I'm forgetting one. Duncan. But, uh, Oh, I forgot the most important one, Tim Duncan. He went through Tim Duncan, Camby, McDice, and Malik Rose, four yeah, it was, players. It was four. sick. It was it, it was unbelievable. I had the toothless in Seattle shirt. We've probably talked about that a million times. <laughs> Scott uh, Pierce. Yeah, it was it was such a fun. That was you know that was some of my earliest memories as a as a fan, as somebody who was actually cognizant of what was going on. And uh, it was cool. It was it was a special time for sure. Yeah, so it'll be fun to see the the gang back together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's university spirit. And then I am going to uh, go catch a plane. Chris's university spirit on campus corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast. Pistols firing. They specialize in custom printed Oklahoma state apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head to toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit.
Okay, Carson, uh, any final thoughts before we uh, peace out of here? CBS flying you first class? <laughs> yeah, they're sending me Nance's uh, private jet. So, huh. you know. Well, just, you need to get that in your contract. Get your, get your <laughs> first class seat. I've got, yeah, it's like I've got maybe multiple layovers probably, I think. I, I don't know. I need to, <laughs> I need to look. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a fun week. I'm going to the PGA show in Orlando. So big merchandise convention thing where it's really just seeing all your, all your people that you don't see throughout the year. So it'll be good. Um, I'll be on CBS sports HQ quite a bit doing an interview. I'm interviewing uh, Thurman Thomas. No way. Yeah. So we need to, I need to do like a side interview for the pod or something. Yeah. You got to, or at least yeah. get him. Saying, you know, it's Thurman Thomas listening to the Pistols Firing Podcast. Uh, <laughs> back at it. Let's work or something. You know? Yeah, he. But uh, I'm going to be. Sorry, go ahead. Apparently, he only agreed to do the interview because I went to Oklahoma State. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, because our, our my uh, producer is just kind of reaching out to different, you know, there, there's just a ton of people that are there. I have no idea why he's even there. And yeah, he agreed to do it because, uh, because, uh, my producer told him that he, that I went to OSU. Wow. He's, he's loyal and true, isn't he? Yeah. yeah I love that. Big time. Uh, if you went to OU, you would tell him to lose his number <laughs> probably. Uh, I will be, I think at the pep rally on Tuesday. So I'll have to let you know how that goes. So yeah. I'll have that to talk about next time we convene. It's great. That'll be fun. And the last okay. time I was there was when uh, Marcus Smart and Markel Brown and them said they were coming back. That, that didn't work out so well, but maybe yeah. this one will go better. Didn't age well. Uh, okay, Carson, good stuff. Uh, we'll be uh, back on our regular scheduled microphones next week. And <laughs> yep. We'll, t- we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Have fun. We'll see okay. you. Okay, see you.